Thank you for listening to our Celebration Sermon Podcast. Celebration is a worshiping community within Heart of White Ministries. We gather at 9 a.m. in the Red Brick Church Building on the Heart of White Campus on the corner of 160th and Lakewood in Holland, Michigan. We invite you to join us in person when you are able. To learn more about our Celebration community in Heart of White Ministries, please visit heartofwhite.com. Well... We continue to work through the scripture. We're doing, in a sense, a series of uh, systematic topics. The first 10 weeks of the ministry year, we're looking at what it means to think like Jesus, to have our minds transformed by his Holy Spirit so that we think and value the world in terms of Christ. I'm following this book, and I know a number of you have picked it up. You can get it on Amazon or christianbook.com. what it will have is a key question, a key topic or idea, and then a series of Bible readings, often from Genesis to Revelation, so you can begin to see how each of these topics is handled through the course of the entire Scripture. And then uh, I come to preach and to bring a particular a word in this moment based on those things. This morning, I also want to do something a little bit different. Typically, so that we can all be on the same page, I'll read from the New International Version, a translation of the um, scriptures that I trust and appreciate. For the past almost two years, I've been reading in my daily Bible meditation a different translation, and I tend to do that. Over the course of my life, I've read nearly every Bible translation in English. And I started almost two years ago reading the New Living Translation and liked it so much that I'm doing it for a second year at this point. One of the things, so today we're going to read from the New Living Translation, and I'll give you just a little bit of background. The New Living Translation, NLT, is a translation that's different than the Living Bible. When I was in high school, the Living Bible became all the rage for our study and learning. It was very helpful. It was a personal paraphrase, is what you'd call it, from 1971 by a guy named Ken Taylor. And particularly for me, just coming to faith at that point and just beginning to open up the Scripture, I remember reading that and saying, wow, I'm beginning to understand. Well, as a paraphrase, it was less specific about word. I'm very thankful that this one, though it sounds the same, the New Living Translation is a different sort of translation, handling of getting the text from Greek and Hebrew to English. The New Living Translation was released in 1996. It's the team work of over 90 scholars using the most recent texts. You know, most of the Greek texts that we have to do our translation from were discovered in the 20th century. Isn't that interesting? They're older, but they're found more recently. And so this morning, I'm going to read from Romans chapter 5 using the New Living Translation because it takes a very, very weighty topic. And I've found in my study this week, communicates it in a fresh and powerful way that I hope for you is that same thing, more understandable. So at this point, let's stand together out of reverence for the Scripture if you will, as you're able. And I will read from Romans chapter 5, verses 15 15 through 19. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For you see, the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many 
But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this one man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners, but because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have a seat if you would please. Father, Father, we thank you that you have loved us, and even in your creation, you created us as creatures with limits, with inabilities, that we might never find our fullness apart from you. And we recognize that sin has broken that, and so we're in a quandary, but by your grace, you have reached into human life. And you condescended to speak into human language your truth. And so through the patriarchs, the prophets, the apostles, through any number of folks, you superintended their writing that it might be preserved and indeed be your word for us in this moment. Thank you for the apostle Paul for his ministry centuries ago that now in these texts becomes the vehicle for you to speak to your people. Holy Spirit, illumine our hearts and minds to receive what you've overseen and superintended in Paul's life, transmitted across the centuries, and now bring to us. Guard your people from my own sin and brokenness, but instead by your grace, meet us in the marvelous hope of the gospel. We thank you for your great love and kindness. Speak to us, Father, for we pray in the name of the one who spoke to us, that is, Jesus Christ, and all of God's people said together, amen and amen. Thought I'd start this morning with a picture. You see a bear here, a polar bear. The white gives it away. And you can tell his options are limited. I would call this a bear with a problem that needs a solution. Now, let me tell you one of the bear's problems. There's no one for the bear to play with. He'll get lonely. And you know, as I look at that bear's options, that bear has another problem. It's not going to be able to get enough vegetables for a healthy diet. Right? I mean, those are... Plus, I mean, it's looking to me, how will there be another generation? This bear has a number of problems. But there's a difference between some of the problems I've enumerated and what I'm going to refer to for this bear as the problem. This bear has a capital P problem. And yes, there's a lot of small P problems in his life as well. 
The capital P problem, the overwhelming root of all other problems is this. He's separated from his natural life-giving habitat. He's separated from where he could run free, from where he could find vegetables and other bears if he needs them and a way to populate if that became proper. That's the big problem. He's separated from all he was created to be. All these other small p problems, while we may need a solution, they won't fix the big P problem. So I want to begin this morning by distinguishing first in this bear, and then I think the Scripture is speaking to us, about a big P problem that we all face and that brings into focus the small P problems that abound through a gathering of people like this. Friends, I want to tell you, whether that bear or whether you're pastor, we live lives where we have problems that need solutions. And you'll see, I've tried to set this up, small p problems, small s solutions. It seems obvious, but ponder it for a moment. You see, the reality of even the small p problems and the small s solutions, that can be pretty complex. Many small p problems can be big and consequential. Now, or they can be small and passing, but they're all different categories of the small p problems. They're not really ultimate, final. Now, there are several reasons for that. We live in a world with small p problems. The first is this, that sometimes there are problems with a cascade of consequences. One thing breaks, and that leads to the breaking of another. That leads to the breaking of another. Next thing you know, we're surrounded by any measure of broken things and small p problems. Favorite writer of mine is an economist, Thomas Sowell. I remember reading in a book where he talked about a government program that was initiated to address a problem. And that problem came from a government program that was initiated to address a problem that was a problem from a program initiated to solve a... He went to four levels. See, one of the problems of life on this planet, small p is that we'll try to fix one problem, but create more, this cascade of consequences. Our solutions may often cause other problems. Yes, I'm surrounded by small p problems, but even my small s solutions don't quite fit the bill. We had a problem at our house earlier this summer. You remember how dry it was? In the beginning of the summer, the grass began kind of getting thin and turning brown, and you'd almost say burning up? Well, there was a solution. Water it a lot and water it more. That solved the problem of the brown drying grass, and then it caused two other problems in my life. One was the water bill, and the second was I now had to cut the grass about every five days. You see, sometimes in the problems that we face in life, even our solutions end up causing more problems. Solutions can also take time to resolve. You implement a solution and you get up the next morning and the problem is still there. Several decades ago, I had 
hip surgery. It was clear that I needed it. The pain was growing. I was having an increasing inability to get around and to move. And so went to the doctor. They worked it up. And friends, I won't show it to you, but I've got an 18-inch scar. And I want to tell you something. It was clear I needed that surgery. It was a good solution. But when I came to from the anesthetic about two days later, I want to tell you, I was worse. I was in more pain. I was even less mobile. The original solution seemed to aggravate the problem. It took about six months of healing and rehabilitation to remember, oh yeah, this is why I did that solution. So I could get to this point. We live a life that has problems and problems that need solutions, need work, need energy, but often our solutions, they're slow to arrive. Then there's the complex thing, various solutions to various problems. Well, person A wants to deal with problem C differently than person B. I won't get into illustrating that, but it's just clear, friends, that identifying problems and developing effective solutions really is pretty complex. Life can be overwhelming by the complexity of identifying problems and working on solutions. We, we laugh. There's an illustration of how this works out in the life of every parent. Sometimes it's the life every day of a parent. Now, we as parents know and experience this. We want to love our kids and express that love in ways that they can experience. It's, it's important that our kids not only are loved, but they feel and experience that love. I get that. And when you've got multiple kids, you want to love them equally, right? Well, what happens in those moments when they need parental intervention for guidance? They used to call that discipline, but it's a new time. Parental intervention for guidance. And there's one kid who does something, but they're so tenderhearted and performance-oriented, perhaps, that doing something that would make them wrong just breaks their heart and they burst into tears. The other kid does the same thing, but they're so spunky and resilient that you're about to ponder, what will we do for this guidance? And they start humming a tune from Pat Benatar. Do you remember that song? Hit me with your best shot. Oh, no, I'm not, kid. You're not getting me there. But the kids are so different. How do you love them equally? How do you show to them God's love and his guidance? We face these innumerable challenges, understanding the problems, pursuing the solutions. How do you love and guide them? Well, the Bible gives us insight here. One of the first things I want to say, and I'll say it right at this point, is that I think the Scripture, when you look Genesis to Revelation, when you read these stories of God at work in people's lives, you see that the Bible calls us to this nuance, this sense that life can be complex and sometimes you're not quite sure what to do. The people of faith, the heroes of our faith, sometimes made mistakes, sometimes made big mistakes that clearly were sin. So in the midst of that jumble, God is not caught by surprise. We need to look and analyze and remember that there is complexity, that we do need more than simply our own perspective. But life has a problem that needs a solution. And I want to move now from the vegetables for the polar bear 
to his big P problem, that's separation. There is, according to the Scripture, one serious, comprehensive, capital P problem that affects us all, that drives the other problems, that infects our solutions, that gets in the way of everything. This problem is so big and so comprehensible that multiple problems are caused by this problem. This is a root, the capital P problem becomes the one that spawns all these other small p problems. This is where it starts. All of these root back to that. Sadly, though, the second and worst of all observation I'll make for you is that this one problem, the capital P problem that we all face, is beyond our own resources for a solution. The problem is bigger than I can deal with. Imagine if I had a $1 million gambling debt. I can tell you, given my resources, that's a problem that's beyond my resources. Now, that problem could spawn a lot of other problems. If I had a gambling debt owed to the mafia, I've got another small p problem. If I triple mortgaged my house, that would be another small p problem that grew out of this. Do you see how a big enough problem spawns these others and it moves to something beyond our own resources and ability? The capital P problem for that bear was separation from what he was created to be. Similar for us, the capital P problem isn't money, isn't education, isn't the government. It's human separation from God caused by sin. I can pray for people that I didn't vote for because there's a bigger problem. Do you see that? We're born into this condition. Like a newborn polar bear, we're born into that opening picture. And we live out our days under the condition of that situation. When I sin whether it be acting out in pride, whether it be devaluing another person or altering the truth for my own interest or or stealing what's not mine, I don't simply cause my separation from God. Those little acts are the result of my big P problem, my separation from God. Separation is the big capital P problem that leads to every other downstream is another metaphor I'd use here, problem. And the message of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is that this problem is bigger than our resources. You can't obey your way off of that little ice flow. You can't, that's because the law can never be obeyed perfectly. We can't live up to that expectation. Perfection is not determined or developed by grading on a curve. I would do much better before God if he would just grade on a curve because I'm doing better than most. Pardon that pride. Oops. You see, the small p problems have a deeper root, but that means God in his grace has given a deeper solution. If I don't have the resources to deal with it, the good news that I stand before you with today is this. God has the resources. And even greater than that, Abraham and David and Isaiah, who looked forward in history in hope, we now look back in history to the cross of Jesus Christ, where God himself said, 
there's a problem, it's big P, it has downstream implications. You don't have the resources, but I do, and I will enter in. Listen to this text from 517. We read it again this morning. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who received it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Friends, that is a solution that we do not have the strength or the resources or the insights to produce. It's God's gift to us. The question becomes, will I receive? Will I respond in faith? Or will I insist, no, I want to do it my way. I want it to be mine. You see, often in the face of this gospel, our hope is just too small. God offers his great grace, and we instead say, oh, no, I better add to it through my obedience, through my good behavior, through my this or my that. We think that we can offer a small s solution to the capital P problem. No, God answers our need with a capital S solution. It's ours to receive and respond in faith. It's also possible, and this is a mistake you'll see around you from time to time, to respond with faith to the Lord's capital S solution that deals with a capital B problem. That's the gospel. We can say yes to the gospel, but we can miss being a part of the kingdom of grace. And what that empowers is that we can join with God's work, pressing back on the small p problems. See, many folks are happy to solve the big p problem and then go about living for their own desires, their own recreation, their own security. God calls us to a different adventure. Having resolved the big p problem, by grace through faith, he then calls us to live that out in this world. That by his grace, we become the answer to needs in Honduras for stability and education and support. They hear the gospel. They receive a tool that will make a difference in that kingdom. We're called to be witnesses in our communities, to be faithful citizens of grace and God's goodness and kindness, praying even for those we wouldn't vote for. It's not enough to simply solve the big P problem because God's grace is going to call us to invest our lives dealing with small P problems. Another way that our hope gets too small is we think, oh, despair. There will always be problems. I give up. You know, I'm, I'm just not going to do this. I'm going to take care of mine. I'm going to enjoy the day. I'm going to get what I need. The rest of you, your problem, not mine. Friends, that's a surrender to despair, not a dwelling in the hope of the gospel. That why bother, I won't tell you anything about you, but I'll give you some insight into my broken heart. When I begin to see in my own life that kind of despair, when I hear my inner voice saying, I just give up, why bother? Why live out grace? Why pursue reconciliation? Why be generous? When I hear that, it tells me that my heart is running on my own determination, and that can run out. 
I'm running on my own determination rather than running on grace. The answer to that problem is not more determination. It's not a past or cultivating guilt to get you busy. It's a call to grace, to the fullness of God's love in you, for you, overflowing in love and hope for others. The gospel of God's grace, friends, it offers the capital S solution to the capital P problem that we face, and it invites us to join God's work on those small p problems. It sends us out with a hope and a joy and a perspective. And part of that hope is this, that one day the big P problem, as well as the small P problems, will one day end. That'll be the work of God. In the meantime, I'm working with the Holy Spirit, with God himself, to deal with small p problems, to deal with my attitude, to deal with my fear, to deal with my greed, whatever it may be, whatever I may experience in my community, sure, I'm invested in those, but one of the reasons I resist all those small p problems is because they're going away. God has promised it. God will do it. There will come a day where he will wipe away every tear. I love the words of Revelation. The old order of things will pass away and a new order will come. I'm doing everything I can to live in light of that new order right in the middle of this messed up old order. Friends, that's the hope of the gospel. That's what salvation means. We're rescued from that capital P problem by God's capital S solution and then begin to live out in the fullness of that. It's an invitation to a decision and a decision not to act differently or not to have a moment. It's a decision, I would say, to join the journey. Friends, every journey requires a first step. It requires faithful perseverance after that, but there has to be a start. Every journey has a starting point. We experience that in regards to our faith as, as a decision for Christ and Christ alone. Yes, it'll be a journey for the rest of our lives until he comes back to be found in. That's the decision formed by and following Jesus Christ. Every highway has an on-ramp. Now, every journey is more than just getting on the on-ramp alone. But we are called to start that journey and to walk with him because of the solution he has provided. My last two years in high school, by day, I was a somewhat bored high school student because I was by night an aspiring rock and roller. I ended up sleeping through trigonometry in some of those classes because all night long, I was in the school of Eric Clapton. And during those two years, as I began to have a wide network and array of friends who weren't in school, who were involved in other things, I grew to know them and love them. And I remember the spring of my senior year, as I recall, Billy Graham came to town. And I was anxious for my friends to hear the gospel from Billy Graham. There was clearly a movement in that ministry. And I would take them to hear, and I, looking back, I saw two responses. There were folks who said, wow, I hear what he's saying, 
that there's something more for my life and it comes through Jesus and I'm willing to start right now. And I've told you the story of my friend Mike who went forward and there he was at the Billy Graham crusade, there talking with him and Mike is just emptying his pockets of drugs and drug paraphernalia and he's starting a journey. But there were other guys who would hear that message and they'd say, oh, I hear that, but you know, my grandmother was such a believer, I could never be like her. God doesn't want you to be like your grandmother. Or they'd say, oh, my neighbor, she says she's a Christian, but I see how she lives. I know how she's living when nobody's looking. Oh, I see those people. Do you see the difference here, those two responses? One looked at God heard of his love, another looked at people and let them be the barrier to the goodness that God had for them. I want to give you an invitation to a decision to join the journey, but I want you to think of the invitation as a beautiful melody and the people like me and others who tell you about it as imperfect players. I'm not inviting you to be like me. I'm inviting you to look past me to Jesus. We, we have a conversation with musicians. You know, uh, as much as our musicians love to minister their gift and share with you, they want that moment to point past themselves to God. And here's a great expression of that. John Dixon is a scholar who took cello lessons for two weeks. I'm going to share with you a quick little video that I hope puts in mind for you uh, this lesson. Are we ready for the video, team? I'll go ahead. This is Bach's Cello Suites, one of the most beautiful, mathematically sublime pieces ever composed. But imagine if I played it. I've listened to the cello suites for years, but I'd never picked up a cello until last week. To judge a piece fairly, we know to distinguish between the masterpiece that was written and the pretty ordinary performance. gospel is a marvelous melody because it's God's melody. And he invites us to be a part of his orchestra. Oh, we may not be all that good of players, but practice, pursue him. You deserve to see a good example of the gospel. I give you the best I've got, but I want to tell you, all I can do is pass, point past myself to something greater. An imperfect performance of a marvelous melody, the grace of God. Let's pray. Father, I pray that in a world filled with sheet music that our hearts might hear a melody, a music that's 
It's so beautiful. We wonder if it can be true. And yet, because it's yours, we're gripped by that truth and by that beauty. I ask, Father, that we might say yes, not to the imperfect performers, but that we might say yes to the beautiful melody, that we might sit down with you and play and discover your grace to play through us to your glory. Father, I pray for anyone within the sound of my voice that feels like they're on the outside. I thank you that because of what Jesus did at the cross for each and for all, that there's an open doorway to pursue that marvelous melody. Fill us with great hope in this moment. Stir our hearts with your goodness and grace. We pray these things in Jesus' marvelous name. There's a melody that calls us to new life, and that melody is the gospel. The love of God for us meeting the capital P problems with his capital S solution that we might live by his grace in a world filled with small p problems and be part of those solutions, but always as ambassadors of something greater than ourselves, the work of God. Thank you for listening. To learn how to get involved in our celebration community or how to support Hardawike Ministries, please visit us at hardawike.com.